Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and welcome to Back to the Bible Canada with Dr. John Newfeld. We're continuing our series today, The Beginning of Jesus' Passion. So let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 to 13, as Dr. Newfeld brings us a message titled, Prepared. Every one of us have heard and perhaps often spoken the words, oh, I'm just not yet ready. Well, maybe you're a young man and you've just asked a young woman to be your girlfriend. And she said, oh, I'm just not ready. Or perhaps you've heard those same words in the context of Christmas. I mean, Christmas is almost here. And someone says, oh, no, I'm just not yet ready. Or maybe you're in school and you know the big exam is coming tomorrow. Oh, I'm just not ready. Or maybe you grew up in the faith and your pastor has said, have you considered baptism? And you say, I'm just not ready. You know, in some of the examples that I've given, the words, I'm not ready, they give you the impression that you're getting ready. But in other cases, as in, you know, I'm not ready to be your girlfriend or I'm not ready to be baptized. I mean, that indicates I don't want to, but in the future, I might want to or I might not want to. And that's what I'm not ready seems to indicate. Now, being ready, that is, if I should say I am ready, that, however, should indicate that I'm prepared for action right now. It means yes. It means bring it on. It means nothing is standing in the way. I wonder how you feel about the second coming of Jesus and of the end of the age. And just in case you're not sure that it will happen, please try to remember that this event was predicted and promised by Jesus. Yep, that's the same Jesus who said he was going to Jerusalem to die, and he did. That's the same Jesus who said he would conquer death and rise from the dead, and he did. That's the same Jesus who said he would ascend to heaven, and he did. That's the same Jesus who said that his gospel would be preached to the ends of the earth, and also that shortly after his ascension, that Jerusalem and its temple would be destroyed. Well, I think you get it. His track record has been that all that he has said has come to pass, and it is he that said he would return and bring to an end the present age. And so let me ask you again, are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you watching and waiting for the second coming? As Jesus comes to the end of the extended teaching on his coming and of the end of the age, he tells a series of parables, five in all. We've already discussed the first two of them. This now is the third, and this one has everything to do with watching, being prepared, and living one's life with a spirit of expectation. So let's listen to the entire parable. It's Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough oil for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you do not know neither the day or the hour. I need to begin our discussion by admitting that some very good Bible teachers disagree about the meaning of some of the elements of this parable. But let's not concentrate on that. Let's concentrate on what we can all agree on. 
And we can first all agree that the point of this parable is right at the end. Verse 13 says that we don't know the day or the hour of our Lord's return. And because of that, he will come at a time when many don't expect him. You know, sometimes the words that Christians have used is the word imminence. That is, Jesus might return at any time. I mean, others understand the the term imminence to mean that the entire event of Christ's second coming will suddenly tumble into our age and that these events will come at any time. But however you understand the term. We know that this parable teaches us to always be prepared. And so might I add something to that? It's this. All true believers expect Jesus to appear suddenly, visibly, and physically. The entire earth will see him. His followers will rejoice. His enemies will weep. And then he will bring an end to the age. Amillennialists believe that when he comes, the new heavens and the new earth will be immediately inaugurated. And then there are premillennialists like myself who believe that he will first institute a 1,000-year reign of peace where he will physically reign from Jerusalem, and then the new heavens and the new earth will come. But those matters are not a part of this parable. This parable is about being ready. But that leaves us with a question of, of what the parable actually means to teach us about being ready. So let's start by trying to recreate the wedding scene that Jesus was describing. Clearly, the scene that Jesus paints for us is a very different wedding than most of us have ever experienced. So let's start there. In the time of Jesus, it was quite typical for a wedding to last all day. I mean, there were all manner of celebrations, but at some point in time, while the groom, along with his close friends, would leave the groom's home and they would go to the bride's home. And once they arrived there, there'd be more celebrations and ceremonies. And as I understand it, the legal promises would be made. Then the groom would take the bride from her home or the house of her parents where she lived. And with great festivity, a parade would happen in the streets and he would take her to his home. And there in his home, there would be a great banquet to welcome her to her new home. It it was really a wonderful tradition. It symbolized the biblical picture of what marriage is supposed to look like. But it's the journey from the bride's house to the groom's house that really was the cause for celebration. And torches would be lit along the way because the journey would most often take place after dark. And every one of the bridesmaids would would carry her own torch, assisting or lighting the way for her to go to her new home. And anyone without a torch would be considered not a part of the wedding party. That is, they didn't belong. Now, the torches that would be carried, they were small, and they would have rags in them, and the rags would be continually doused with oil for them to keep on burning. But in order to continue to burn, each of the bridesmaids would need to bring her own flask along to periodically douse the rag with oil and keep it burning. Well, that's the background to the parable. So let's see if we can make sense of the story that Jesus told. Our passage begins with the word then. The Greek word is tote. You know, it's most often translated at that time, which of course leads to the obvious question, at what time? That is to say, at what time can we reasonably say that this parable is to take place? And I raise this because there are some who argue that the time Jesus is referring to is the time of the pre-tribulational rapture when the church is taken away before the tribulation begins. Now, I suppose that's a possibility, but please also notice Jesus never gets that specific. I think we're safe to simply say at the time of the second coming of Jesus, the whole event at the time when he returns for his own. And if we leave it to that, 
we'll find fewer reasons to disagree with one another about this parable and more reasons to find the common meaning. Well, at any rate, at that time, the kingdom of heaven, that is, when the kingdom of heaven is consummated, it's going to be very much like 10 virgins who went out to meet the bridegroom. The virgins are very much like what we think of as bridesmaids. They're women who are charged with taking care of the needs of the bride. And here, their role is to await the coming of the groom and welcome him to the home of the bride. So sometimes the question is asked, is there a significance in the number 10? And I think the answer most probably is, I think it's just a good round number. You see, sometimes 10 is, you know, the number of completion. You know, so we might think that 10 virgins are the full number of the bridesmaids charged with taking care of and and accompanying the bride. I guess that's right. So it's important not to make every parable walk on all four legs. So for instance, you know, why is the bride not mentioned in who is she? And and the answer to that is it's just not a part of the parable. So don't get distracted, you know, and don't try to explain everything. The point of the parable is just threefold. Let me take you to the second point of the parable. Then I'll discuss the first. Verse five tells us that the bridegroom is delayed. No reason is given. And that's not the point of the parable. The point is that he came much later than anyone expected. He doesn't show up until it's midnight. It is by that time very late. And here we begin to see one of the important issues this parable is addressing. The coming of our Lord will be later than his followers were expecting. And we know it's true. Throughout the 2,000 year history, from the time Jesus said these words until this present day, There have been many who have felt that Jesus would return during their lifetime, even very soon. Now, I suppose in the end, you know, someone's going to be right, but not because we figured it out. Jesus will come in someone's lifetime. Perhaps it is ours. We just don't know. But the point is that the coming of Christ is taking longer than we had imagined. You know, some Bible teachers think there must be a reason for the delay, and we should find it in the parable. I don't think I want to go there. I think the point is it's taken longer than anyone expected. With 2022 coming to a close, you may be making plans for 2023, vacations, birthdays, other events. But what about your time spent with God and His Word? It can be challenging to balance our personal devotions with the hustle and bustle of everyday life. But Back to the Bible Canada has a great solution. The 2023 scripture calendar, Freedom in Christ, is designed with stunning images, Bible verses for reflection, encouraging quotes from Dr. John Newfeld, and most important, a daily Bible reading plan to help you read through the Bible in one year. Perhaps that's your commitment for 2023. And the Freedom in Christ calendar is available to you for free. Now there's a limited number left, so call us and ask for your copy today. Call at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca. And if you're able, don't forget to help Back to the Bible Canada reach its year-end goal by December 31st with a gracious gift. Verse five says that all the virgins fell asleep. So let's pause there. And here I will make a point from my vantage point, the virgins, well, they're the expectant Christian church who have the blessed hope of the return of Jesus. 
Now, when I say that, I don't want to push this point. I mean, some are going to argue that this is a pure church, given that they're virgins, but that seems like it's stretching it too far. You know, after all, in, in an ancient wedding, it was always virgins who would accompany the bride. So let's just say that the parable is a parable about the church that's expecting the coming of her Lord, and the coming has been longer than has been expected, and during that time, everybody falls asleep. So what do we make of that? I mean, after all, back in chapter 24, verse 42, Jesus said, therefore, stay awake. You don't know when your Lord is coming. But remember when he said that, it was in the context of his previous parable. That's the parable of a master whose house was going to be broken into by thieves. The point then was a very different point than the point in this parable. In this parable, all those who had fallen asleep were still awaiting the coming of the bridegroom. But here in this parable, five foolish virgins don't have the oil that's required. And the point is not that everyone fell asleep. Falling asleep in this parable doesn't mean these virgins weren't expecting. They were. The problem is that it was very late. All the shops are closed. And because of that, the foolish virgins don't have oil to light the path of the groom taking his bride to his home. That is, they're unprepared to do what's necessary to do their joyous duty when the groom returns. Again, it's important not to end up in a debate as to, you know, what the oil represents. I mean, I've, I've read all sorts of explanations of the oil. I mean, some say it's, you know, it's the Holy Spirit, and hence, this is a part of the church that's not filled with the Holy Spirit. And still others say the oil represents good works, and that is, this is a part of the church that hasn't stored up good works and therefore are left without on the day of Christ's return. And they'll point to, you know, texts like 1 Timothy 6, 18 and 19 that says they are to do good and to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so they may take hold of that which is truly life. So in this view, the, the foolish virgins have not produced the works in keeping with salvation. Now look again, it's so important when we read a parable that we don't insert our meaning into it. Now, that view of things has been called eisegesis. That is, instead of reading the intended meaning out of the text, we read our meaning into the text. Look, Jesus doesn't say, you know, these virgins didn't have the Holy Spirit or they didn't have good works. That's not the point. Let's see if we can follow Jesus' line of thinking. Without being told what the virgin's oil symbolizes, let's just capture the drama. Verse 6 says that after so long and the groom has not come, Suddenly, while everyone has fallen asleep, after all, it's been so long, remember, suddenly everyone's awakened by a cry. The bridegroom's here, come and meet him. Everyone wakes up. Finally, the time has arrived. You know, in many ways, what we have in verse 6 parallels what Jesus said earlier. Look back to the previous chapter, chapter 24, verse 31. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now, if you've been following this series, you're going to remember all the way back to chapter 24, 14, where Jesus said, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, then the end will come. Well, clearly, by the time we get to verse 31, Jesus is returning. The gospel has gone out to the four winds of the earth, the entire earth. The task has been completed. The long delay is over. Now, in the parable under discussion now, we find that five of the virgins trim their lamps, that is, they prepare them with the oil that they have available. 
They're immediately ready to fulfill their role, lighting their lamps and attending the groom and the bride as they prayed through the streets with great joy. But the other five virgins, here's where there's a problem. The first problem is that five are called wise. The next five are foolish. So the foolish virgins haven't prepared. They have no flask of oil of which they can douse the rags of their lamps. In short, the lamp won't light. And if they don't have a lamp, they are deemed not part of the wedding celebration. So suddenly their lack of preparedness comes upon them and they go to the first five and they ask to share what they have. But the first five know exactly how long the journey is from the bride's house to the groom's house. And they say, look, we don't have that much oil for both ourselves and you. In that case, we'll all run out. We won't have enough. And so you five need to go and buy oil for yourselves. Now, remember, it's midnight. It won't be an easy task to find an open shop. It's going to take some time hunting around for that shop. We can only imagine. You know, in a day in which many shop owners would live in the same premise as their shop, you know, we can even imagine that they would have to wake up the shopkeeper. He'd have to go and open the door, put on the lamps in the shop, get out the oil, sell it to them, and then the women could get back to the wedding celebration. And it would seem that's what they do. But of course, this all takes time. And while they're attending to this, the celebration in the streets was going on. The wise virgins, they've lit their lamps. And the light parade is heading towards the groom's house. And so by the time the foolish virgins have awoken the shopkeeper, they've gone through all the rigmarole of getting oil, the street parade is already over. Oh dear, these women have missed the whole thing because they weren't ready. And then the five say, okay, we missed the parade, but we can still get into the bridegroom's house and be there for the banquet, enjoy the festivities. But when they get to the groom's house, The door's not open anymore. All the guests are inside, the door is shut. And here we come to the climax of the story. Jesus now uses words that make very clear what he's getting at, verse 11. The foolish virgins say, Lord, Lord, open to us. See, it would appear that the entire street procession entered the house. The person charged with securing the gathering and keeping wedding crashers out was told, you know, when the wedding party is in, close the door. Now, listen again to the words of the five virgins. Lord, 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 Lord. You know, suddenly we're no longer talking about a wedding, are we? We're talking about people who find themselves outside of the kingdom of heaven. And those words, Lord, Lord, well, don't they sound so much like the things that Jesus has taught before? Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. See, just because you say, Lord, Lord, doesn't mean you get in. Heaven is not entered by uttering the right words, you know, like abracadabra or open sesame. You know, you bend the knee to Jesus, you surrender your rights into his hands. You take his hand and you say, not my will, thine be done. And so you repent, you surrender, you become his disciple, you trust in him. That's what Lord truly means. It's not a formula, it's submission. So when Jesus says in Matthew 7, 22 to 23, listen to this. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That is to say, someone who is lawless, well, that's someone who doesn't bend the knee to Christ's will. It doesn't matter your talk. 
It doesn't matter how big your ministry is. It doesn't matter how many demons you've cast out. It matters whether you've surrendered your hardened will to the will of Christ. Lord, Lord, say the five foolish virgins. We weren't ready for your coming. See, Jesus in this parable doesn't give reasons why these foolish virgins weren't ready and had gotten the oil. In other parables, he does give reasons. In Luke 14, one said he had bought a field. Another said he had bought five yoke of oxen. And still another said, you know, I just got married. I've got many reasons why I'm not ready for the lordship of Christ in my life. There are things that I want to take care of. This encumbrance of bending my knee and saying, your will be done, not mine. Not yet. I'm not ready for that. I have to care for the things that interest me, say so many. I'm not ready for Lord, Lord. The parable of the five virgins tells us there's a time when surrender to Jesus will be too late. If you should say, I'm not ready to surrender to him today, well, then know this. A time will come when you will long to surrender. That is, you'll be pounding on the door, but that door will be shut. I don't know about tomorrow. I know this. Now is the time to surrender to Christ. I don't know whether or not you have tomorrow. You might, you may not, but you do have this moment. Now is the day to say, Jesus, I don't want my will. I want yours. I surrender my life into your hands. I take your nail-scarred hands. You lead me where you will, and I will gladly follow. Lord, Lord. Thanks so much, John. You know, it seems to me that from the passage, Jesus is making it clear that the time of his return will be further away in the future than what the disciples may have thought. What are we to make of that? Yeah, you know, see, um, I mean, obviously, (laughs) I don't think the disciples thought it would be 2,000 years away, but uh, of course they didn't know, but Jesus did let them know that it would be longer. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be longer than we think. You see, I want to make very clear about that. I'm just simply going to say, Um, that we don't know at what point in time our master will return. And because of that, let's just be faithful in doing what he calls us to do, always anticipating that he can come at any moment. I I think that's the point of this, and uh, we need to take that message, I think, to heart. Thanks so much, John. And remember to join us again tomorrow as we continue our series, The Beginning of Jesus' Passion, right here on Back to the Bible Canada, Bible teaching you can trust. You may think that estate planning is only for the wealthy, but decisions about your home, family, your retirement, or even how you'd like to see your money used for ministry and for the kingdom, well, that's important. Back to the Bible Canada has partnered with Advisors with Purpose to help you start and discuss those important decisions. Their trained estate specialists are available to meet you by phone and provide you with the information to make the best decisions possible for you and your family. As a result of our partnership, Advisors with Purpose has made their services free and confidential to you alone, leaving you free from any obligation. It's never too early to plan for your future, so call them today. To speak to an estate specialist today, call 1-866-336-3315. That's 1-866-336-3315. 
336-3315 or visit advisorswithpurpose.ca for your free and confidential consult.